Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Another great week for It's The Real. This past week? Oh, definitely this last week. And this upcoming week is looking great as well. And we're going to start it off with an ad from our friends at Warby Parker. Yes, Warby Parker. I've been wearing glasses since I was 16 years old because I needed to drive and I also needed to see when I drove. Very important. Very major key. But... I've been wearing Warby Parker glasses for the past five years, and I have to say I love them because they look good, they feel good, and I also love that their shopping experience is so innovative and forward-looking. They have this new thing called the Home Try-On Service, where they will send you five pairs of glasses to your home of your choosing, and you send them back a week later after trying them on. And you're able to buy them without having to go to the store. So you don't have to live in New York City to wear New York City-style Warby Parker glasses. You could live somewhere in Iowa. You could live in Louisiana. You could live in Alaska. They will send them to you for free. You try them on all week. You get comfortable with the way they look. And then you can send them back, and they're going to send you a brand new pair of the glasses that you want, correct? Yes. If you go to warbyparker.com slash it's the real to order your free home try-ons today, you can get five free pairs you'd like to try on, mail the frames back, choose your favorite pairs to have your prescription added to if you need, and order. Warby Parker makes your experience completely risk-free and free shipping all around. Visit warbyparker.com slash it's the real, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L, to begin your free home try-on experience today. And if people want to see what these glasses look like, you got new new prescription glasses. I did. I got new sunglasses. Watch fullscreen.com slash it's the real and watch our episodes there because we might just be wearing those Warby Parker glasses. Jeff, who do we have on the podcast today? We have the famed A&R Jeff Sledge. Jeff Sledge, currently at Atlantic Records, formerly of Jive Records. What did we talk about with Jeff Sledge? We talked a lot about Shaq. Shaq, man. Shaquille O'Neal was... Uh, was over at Jive Records, and Jeff Sledge was was working his projects. We talked about Tribe. Yeah. We talked about UGK. Yep. We talked about... We, honestly, we got into a lot about Jive Records, including the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and Mystical and Too Short and E-40. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. There's a lot that we got into. Will Smith. Man. People might have seen on our Twitter, we put up a clip of Jeff Sledge talking about Pimp C hearing Andre 3000's verse on International Players Anthem for the first time, and that went around the internet. People really, really dug that story. It's gems like those that fill up this entire podcast. Jeff Sledge. He's I am Jeff Sledge on Twitter. I think he's I am Jeff Sledge on Instagram. Jeff also has a podcast of his own with Naima Cochran called The Pop Life Podcast. Go subscribe to that. Jeff, when do you want to get into this episode? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Carbon Dioxide, Water Vapor, Oxygen, Nitrogen, a.k.a. Fire Content. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Call to Charge, a.k.a. Found the Plug. Yo, what up? <laughs> <laughs> it's Jeffrey Sledge, a.k.a. Jeff Sledge, a.k.a. Sledge. What's happening? I'm good, man. How y'all doing? Very well. I appreciate you having me here. No, thank you for coming. This is super dope. Yeah, no, we're thrilled you're here. I wanted to do more. I'll say I'm going to do more media in 2016 and 17. How'd it go? So why are you here? Word. But we should say before we begin that this is not just an audio podcast. It's also on video. If you go to fullscreen.com slash it's the real... 
You can watch these episodes. You can see how tired Eric and I are. We've been <laughs> running around the city for the past three days, yes. handing out payola for our new single, Dave Matthews Band. Yes. Slit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can watch all our episodes with Young Sav and Steve-O, with, with Wayno, with... I mean, Charlie and the God, Angie Martinez, Miss Info, just everybody. A lot of people. Yeah. Fullscreen.com slash It's The Real. Jeff, welcome Yo. back from Atlanta. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was down there shooting uh, a video for, well, I wasn't shooting it, okay. but I was there <laughs> for Missy, Missy Elliott shooting a video for her first single off her new project that I'm in on. But that's awesome. Is yeah, it called Dave good. Matthews Band? <laughs> it was, but we uh, flipped it. We you know, flipped it. We flipped that's, it. That's a good look for all of us. <laughs> all of us. Yeah. All of us. It's hot. Um, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but do you know where Jeff Sledge is from? I do know this. Oh, okay. White Plains, White Plains. Plains. We're, we're cousins. Yeah. Because, like, one of the happiest moments is being able to sit down with a fellow Westchester native, Jadakiss. Jada. Jeff Sledge. Like, there's, there's a Styles lot. Styles P. Styles yeah. P. Sean Puff Daddy or Diddy Combs, yep. who, who says he's from Harlem, and I know he has ties there, but he grew up in Mount, Mount Vernon. Vernon. Well, yes. money earned in Mount Vernon. That's yeah, right. you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, Jeff was at... I went to Heavy D's funeral. At the Heavy D's really? funeral. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow! Incredible! Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't go. I didn't, I didn't. Really, it's funny, man. He, well, I mean, I, I didn't, didn't know him like that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just went out of respect, yeah. yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know him that well. But I heard. I mean, I, it's weird to say, but I heard good things about the friend. Like it was well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and really yeah. well, well. I wrote well it up done. for um for Rolling Stone, and it was just like an incredible experience. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But a lot of like obviously Mount Vernon was was yeah, there. The whole city, yeah. I'm yeah. sure, was there. Yeah, literally. Like you know? the, it was it was in every single room of the church. Yeah, because yeah, it was flooded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us about growing up in White Plains. Um. Did you go to White Plains High School? I went to White Plains High School. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Um, yeah, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, peace, to, peace to John David said, and uh, a couple other people went there. But, um, but um, I mean, it was cool, man. It was regular. I grew up on a, a street called Ferris Avenue, which was uh, we. I was born in Mount Vernon, mm -hmm. and then moved to White Plains when I was, I guess, like five or six. And when we got to Ferris Avenue, it was all Italians. Straight up, like it could have been Little Italy. Oh, so it was White Plains. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was straight up Italians. And then by, probably by the time I was nine or ten, it was all black. Wow. Really? Everybody, yeah, they all pretty much, there was a few holdouts, but most of the Italians just left the block mm -hmm. um, and bouncing. And it was, you know, but it was good, man. I grew up in an apartment building, so it was 12 floors, 12 apartments per floor. So Whoa. it was 144 um, units. So it was a lot of kids, it was a lot of... Um, People who were like uh, first trans, I guess transplants from the South. Yeah. So all of our parents, like, you know, came, my mother and father were from Kentucky and Alabama, and then people from South Carolina and Georgia and North Carolina and so on and so on. So it was all of us were like the, the sons and daughters of people who moved up here from down South. Yeah. So it was a very like cultural grow, uh, way to grow up. Very, and you know, it was what, good. It was what, good what were your parents doing? My pops worked for the post office, then caught a job at IBM. Okay. Um, and worked there. My mom was a teacher. Oh, dope. Yeah, so... Um, was she your teacher? No, okay. fortunately not. <laughs> but, but but she worked in the school. I, the school, the elementary school I went to was literally up the hill from where I grew up. And she it was called Church Street School, and she worked at Church Street. So when I would get in trouble, which would be kind of often, <laughs> it, you know, I, I'd be sitting in the office with the principal, and she'd be coming in, and I'm like, damn, playing myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, any brothers or sisters? Nah, only child. Only child. Only child. But it's weird. It's weird though, because I was the only child. Excuse me, I got some candy in my mouth. Yeah. But even though I was the only child, I, I I didn't feel 
um, necessarily lonely because, like I said, this building was huge and it was a bunch of kids all kind of in the same age bracket. Mm-hmm. You know, some a little older, some a little younger, but, like, there was a, a ton of kids in the building, so it was always... Uh, people around and people to play with and we'd spend the night over each other's houses and stuff like that. So it wasn't like I was isolated, the only child isolated away from people. It was, And plus the block itself had a lot of kids too because mm-hmm. there's another apartment building down the other end of the block. So it was always people around. So I never felt like the lonely kid. Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, you're talking a lot about, um, you know, not being a lonely kid, which makes me think that maybe you were the lonely kid. <laughs> and, you know, if you really want to dive deep. Dive, what, what, yeah. Okay. Let me go get on the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Break it, 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Break it down. Break uh, it down. Did you go to the Galleria growing up? Went to the gallery. At first, it was the West, the White Plains Mall, which is where apparently Matt Dillon was discovered. Oh, really? Yeah, he's from Amarna. Where at the DMV? Yeah. No, he, no, he used to. That, <laughs> yeah, that, right. He yeah. actually used to be a popping mall because it was like the first mall, maybe in the county. Mm-hmm. So like everybody used to go to the mall. So apparently, Matt Dillon was there hanging out as a kid, and some uh, casting director saw him and huh? was like, "You should be in the outside." Yeah, because yeah. there's a there's still a McDonald's in that mall to this yeah, day. Right. So that drew a lot of kids because the McDonald's. It wasn't the Korean supermarket. No, that wasn't there yet. That wasn't. There yet? That wasn't there yet. It's there now, but yeah, it was like there the yet. sports page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah none of that yeah. shit. None of that was there. None of that was there. It was just McDonald's was popping. Um, but yeah, I went to the gallery and all that stuff. You know what I mean? You know, um, Rye Playland. Rye Playland. Absolutely. Tried to get a job at Rye Playland. I didn't get the job. I was mad sad. What What did you end up uh, doing? Like for your first job? All, all, all. I mean, my first first job, I was a paper boy. Really? Uh, yeah. Like on a bike or like just No, in the in, in the building oh. and on the block because to get the building was huge. Oh yeah. So the building was enough pretty much your route and a few uh, buildings on the street. Um and then later on like summer jobs like cutting grass like through the city. Yeah. yeah. Cutting grass and just being outside, basically being looking back on it, being kind of like, you know, an indentured servant like, you know, getting light money to do Dirty work, right? Like right. there's areas in White Plains and around there where like, I, I go past now. I was like, yo, we cleared that whole area where now there's a huge shopping center, and, and paid- we were like eighth grade kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're paying us like you know three bucks an hour, yeah. two bucks an hour, and like we're clearing whole swaths of land for for, for development. Right. It was it was it was a it was a big scam. <laughs> Looking backwards, yeah, it was a big scam. So uh, you 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 go to White Plains High School. Did you mm-hmm. play any sports? Yeah, I wrestled and played football. And what position? Uh, I was a defensive lineman in football, and uh, and then in wrestling, there's no position. Right, right. But I quit. No, I actually no, quit. Top. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I was a top. Yeah. But um, I actually quit the football team called Mad Flack for that in 12th grade because uh, I got a job at Neiman Marcus. Yeah. And Neiman Marcus was, was paying at that time probably like eight or nine bucks an hour, which was just a to lot clear of, the fields. I know. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't the field. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, we, we were like uh, the, the the sanitation guys. Me and a buddy of mine, we both quit the team and called Mad Flack. But it was like, yo, like we making bread, right? Yeah. right. Like we making bread. So like, I mean, we caught so much flack for that, but we made really good money, and uh, I have no regrets. Yeah. I wasn't playing college ball or nothing like that. So, like, what? I'm not going to let you kill me out right, here for right. what? It's ridiculous. I mean, how good is the White Plains program? Back then, it was great. Now, I don't, I don't keep up at all. But mm-hmm. Back then, it was really good. It was us and there was show with, like, the top in, uh, in uh, I guess that's 1A or whatever. Right, and right. Us and there was show with the um, And so, then you were looking at colleges. Yep. Where did you consider? I... Got accepted. I, I wanted to go to a black school, so right. I only applied to black schools. Okay. So I got accepted to Howard, to Morehouse, to Morgan, to um, there's another one in there I'm blanking out on. 
whatever. But I, I'm sorry about the other one. Yeah. But yeah, but Howard Morehouse and Morgan. So briefly, so what happened was I wanted to go to Morehouse, you know, Dr. King and the mm-hmm. legacy and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I get accepted to Morehouse. Oh, Clark was the other one. Mm-hmm. So I was like, bet I'm going to Atlanta. I had never been to Atlanta. So I told my parents, oh, I got accepted to Morehouse. And so then one day my parents called me and sent me down. And they're like, we don't think you should go to Morehouse because it's too far away. And I was like, are you? Are we all the cars? Yeah. yeah. Course, I was like, are you fuck? I didn't say this to my parents. Yeah, I was yeah. Are you say, fucking like, kidding you me? Like, here, but can I got no, 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 <laughs> definitely, absolutely not. But I was like, yo, I really got. I got in the Morehouse. Like, this is, and you body of me just because you don't want me to go that far? Yeah, where they want you to, they, they want you to go to Fordham? <laughs> right up the block. With right? all the Italian kids. Pace or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're at Fordham with the Italian kids. So, so then I was like, all right, well, then I'll go to Howard. But by the time this, they dropped that bomb on me, um, and I, I called Howard and, and told them I wanted to go there, they had no on campus housing because it was, it was full because everybody else was, was yeah. full. So mm-hmm. then I was like, I can go to Howard, but I'm not going to be able to live on campus. And my parents are like, well, we don't think you should live on campus either your first semester. So I'm like, yo, you are, you're murdering me right now. Like, I'm bodied from Morehouse. I'm bodied from Howard. So then I ended up having to sit out the first semester because it was too late. And I ended up going to Morgan State. Yeah. And that's how I went to Morgan because they had on-campus housing for me in January. So that was the only reason I went there. Those, that, you know, I'm, I'm glad I went to Morgan. Yeah. And, but that was not my first choice, and my parents killed me. And I remember I brought that story to my mom's, not, you know, maybe two, three years ago, and she was like, "I don't really remember it that, going yeah, that yeah, way." I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, nah, yeah. nah, I went exactly that way, you know." So yeah, but so I went to Morgan. What did you do in uh, that first semester? Uh, I worked. I worked. Uh, I forget where I worked. Some raggedy job around White Plains or whatever. Just kind of killed some time until I could go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I went in, in January and I was a communications major. Gotcha. You go down there and you're a semester behind like your whole yeah, class. Yeah, I'm a semester behind. Um, it's weird because, you know, like, yeah, because I'm a semester behind. So, like, when the freshmen come back. Cause so, so, when you go in, even like, like with regular school. As a freshman, when we went in January, I still had to start. I still had to go early for orientation. Yeah. So I'm down. It's just me, a few other guys who uh, maybe like literally maybe like ten guys who also had was a same di- situation where they started in January and then the basketball team because the basketball team was there for early for practice. Mm-hmm. That's the only people on the campus <laughs> for like two weeks. And this so, is your first time on campus ever. Wow, you were so, an only child. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. So we, we, I do all that. So it was definitely weird because when the freshmen came back, everybody knew each other. Right. But I didn't. So right. I, I was always you were the took, weird transfer. Student. I was the weird transfer student. <laughs> yeah. I was the cousin that came up from down south that you didn't really know, but now lives with you. Exactly. So so uh, you know I got you know I, it took me a while to kind of catch up to my to my class, and even now there's a few guys at Morgan that I'm, I'm close with, I stay in touch with. And a lot of other people, I don't, I don't dislike, but I don't really keep in touch because yeah. I felt like almost like I never really full on bonded with a lot of people because I was always off, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. And then I ended up sitting out a semester. I was on academic probation. I was fucking up. So they kicked me out for a semester to get my shit together. I, I went, I went back and graduated, so it worked. Mm-hmm. But then that also threw me off. Yeah. So now I'm like, I'm, you know, I just never really could lock in with a group of people because I didn't come at the same time. When do you figure out? what you want to do in terms of like okay i'm going to major in communications well that's the thing man i always wanted to even as a kid man like i always this working in music is this what i wanted to do i just had it was obviously a much different time then so 
It wasn't like interning and all that. Now we could just kind of get in, and it wasn't really like that. So I just had no idea how to do it. But like, I was always the kid that like was I was always reading the back of records. I like I like even to this day, like I meet like an older producer and I could like break it. He'd be like, "How do you know that?" Because I was always like reading the writers and like I always was I always wanted to get into making records. I just had no idea how to do it. So I was like, "Well, I'll be communications major because I also liked the radio." So I was like, "Well, maybe I just get on the radio. It'll put me kind of close to records because sure. playing records." Every day, and I'll do radio, but then I didn't like my voice. Okay, it was too. I had, think I had too much of a thick New York accent. <laughs> so when I heard it back, I was like, eh. I was like, maybe I'll be a program director, or whatever. But I was, that's kind of how I got into communications. I was just trying to figure out how to be around music. I just didn't know the record company path at all. Also, what did what did everyone think of a New York dude? Like, were they down there? Yeah, you know, it was interesting, man. Like. When I went to Morgan, you know, obviously you grew up in an area, so you kind of know that area. Even if you, like, kind of travel and visit uh, relatives from other areas, you kind of just know your area. So when you when I went to Morgan, and I'm sure it's like this in most black schools, like, there was factions. There was, like, the New York guys, there was the mm-hmm. Philly guys, the D.C. guys, mm-hmm. the, you know, the Chicago guys, and so on, the Detroit guys. So then, you know, it was a, lot, a large contingent of New York people because, um, you know, it was so close. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really kind of made – it really oh, – even now, it, it it helped me a lot because it made me go, oh, shit, like, we're not all the same. Right. Well, like everybody was Philly, wearing Timberlands and, you know, yeah, saying exactly, that ass. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. And you see the Philly guys, and back then they had, like, the, you know, the Will Smith box cuss. Right. So you see the D.C. guys, and they were very prep, mm-hmm. you know, and the Jersey guy. It's like, oh, sh- we're not the same at all. <laughs> like, you know, we're all black, but we are not the same. Right. Um, but the difference with me and a lot of other New York guys is I always – branched out to talk to other people. A lot of New York people just kind of stayed in the New, New, New York clique. Right. right. And I didn't do that. And I think that's also why now there's a lot of people uh, from my school that I'm not super close to because I wasn't like only New York people. Right. You know what I mean? I, I I had a buddy, my man Dwayne from Detroit. I had a good friend of mine, Maurice um, and Howard. They from Baltimore. Like people from all different places. My first roommate, Danny, he's from D.C. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I had you know, friends from all different areas, but even now, that's really helped me with music because it's always made, made me curious about different regions and what different right. regions are doing, and sonically, and even the way they dress and the way they carry things. So I'm very always very interested to go to another city and see what that city is and what, how they do shit. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people, and I think I know we're kind of skipping around to the A&R side, but I think that's what killed a lot of New York A&R people because New York, obviously, we had a long run. Mm. We didn't see that run ever ending. So all, all a lot of New York A&R people only was about New York shit. Only, only, only. Whereas with Jive, kind of with school, it was a similar thing because all our artists, most of our artists weren't from New York. Right. So I had to go to Houston and, and, and Port off and deal with Bun and Pimp. And I mm-hmm. had to go to New Orleans and talk to Mystical. And, and now, you know, we go to Chicago and see R. Kelly and so on. I had to spend a lot of time in the Bay with Too Short and Foy and those guys. So I was always seeing the world and, and trends as they were coming before everybody else. Because everybody else here was just like, New York, New York, New York, New York. And I'm like, yo, nah, but there's some shit happening in Houston yeah. called Screw Music that's dope. And they're like, get out of here. <laughs> so I... I, I Bring all that back to say that I wasn't the New York guy in school. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I was able to talk to, always talking to different people from different regions in school has helped me in my career even to this day. Oh. I hope that made sense. Yeah, yeah no, no, for sure. Course. Mm-hmm. Like, what, um, what was the first song that really wasn't from New York 
that like re- that really opened your eyes to like oh shit like something else is happening outside of my my uh, purview. Okay, um, that's nobody's asked me that. That's a really good question, B. Um, well, shout out to you. Yeah, yeah. shout out to you, man. <laughs> shout out to this guy. Um, the first I can't I don't know I'm not gonna say a song, but the first thing I saw that was moving the needle and it ended up staying regional but the first thing i saw that was moving the needle in a way that I had never seen um stuff before was when i went to uh, school and go-go music yeah when i because I, I, to this day i i never was able to get it mm-hmm. like i don't i don't get but i i saw how the kids from um dc not baltimore because mm-hmm. baltimore and dc are very different right right but the dc and the dmv i should say kids, yeah. the dc maryland virginia kids mm-hmm. were just like the reaction to the to, to hearing that dunka dunka like as soon as those first two beats hit they would go crazy and that was a, one of the first trends I saw I was like oh shit okay yeah this is this this is something that New York would never play it's something that we don't know anything about and they got their own little world and it's yeah. it's it was at that point it was thriving you know yeah and that was Wale <laughs> that was before Wale that was well before Wale actually that was uh, Trouble Funk and EU and yeah, all yeah, those yeah, type yeah. of guys but it's yeah. funny too because like Spike Lee got it and, yeah, yeah and blew it up and doing the butt up, yeah. was I mean you could play that club today yeah mm-hmm. right and people still go off so he, Spike definitely took it mainstream right um, but yeah no, that was Go-Go was the first thing I think that I saw that really made me go oh wow it's <laughs> different you know so you're down there and you're you're you got your eyes set on radio. Yeah. Are you looking for a radio job as soon as graduation comes? Well, nah. <laughs> I, I I graduated. My pops, like I said, worked at IBM. So, yeah. you know, a lot of kids, you know, when you graduate school, you want to get, like, the cool kind of corporate job and, you know, try to make some bread. So my pops was like, look, um, the guy he had hired had tra- – since transferred to DC and was doing well. So he was like, call this guy, you know, I think he can get you a gig. So I called him and the guy got me a job. So I worked at IBM in Bethesda, Maryland for like maybe a year and a half to two years. Whoa. Um, Suit and tie? Suit and tie, B. Suit and tie in Maryland, man. Like, (laughs) I hated that shit. Well, and you had a car, you're like... I didn't have a ride. I was taking the, you know... Their version of Metro North is called the um, the Mark Train yeah. from Baltimore to DC, and then you take the, I would take the subway out to Bethesda, and then a bus. So, are you like I'm a company man forever and ever? Like, nah, because I hated that shit, man. <laughs> like, I like I was young, you know, I was just out of college, I was really young. Like, you know, you young, you, I ended up connecting yeah. more with like the the, the janitor cat because sure. he was young too. We talked music and sports and shit, you know, and like. I just I was like, this isn't me, and I would be, I would be at IBM like listening. To the radio, listening to records on the radio, and then I'd be like calling the radio station, talking to the DJs and <laughs> shit, like just trying to figure out how I can, I can somehow get in because I, I didn't want to be a company man. And all the other corporate drones were just like this every time you turn the radio. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> like they were like, it was a big deal for them to allow me to have a radio on my desk. It was like a huge thing. Yeah, yeah, and I had to keep it obviously really low, and but I ended up being a on an office with this other cat who was pretty young, and he didn't trip. But like it was a big deal, like for them, for me to even have music playing. Like it was very quiet, and it was just <laughs> hated that shit. So man. how'd you quit? I just quit. I oh. was like, yo, I'm just, I, I gotta go back to New York and try to yeah. figure this out. I can't do this no more. I, actually, a couple of those radio people that I would talk to, I ended up going to see them. They were like big radio personalities, and we we talked for like 
all the time. Like they'd be like, "Hold on, man, let me. I gotta do a break." And I hear them like I can hear them like on the radio, like da 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 W H U R. Okay, I'm back. It was crazy. So then I I went and met a couple of them and whatever, you know. And they they were like, "Yo, you should go for it." Just like you're young, you're like 22, like you have nothing, you have no kids, no, no, nothing like that. So just go. But just what does that mean? Go for it, like especially go, then. Go figure it out. So I was like, I had a girl at the time and all that, and so I just was just, I was just miserable. You know what I'm saying? I was just miserable. I said, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna try to get into the music business. I have, I, I knew no one. You go back to White Plains. I went back to White Plains. I moved back to White Plains, um, and I came back in May. So it was almost like I was coming home as a student, but I was two years removed. And I would like just look in the papers. I ain't know nobody. Right. Literally, ain't know nobody. So I would mm-hmm. look in the papers for jobs. Back then, it was one ads. And it would be on the music. And it would always be like music teacher wanted, or bass player for a band wanted, or musicologist, or, you know, there's nothing. And then yeah. one day, <laughs> one day, I looked in the New York Times and it was a little ad. I should cut. I should have kept that ad. It said, "Looking for a person with knowledge of rap music and radio. Call this number." And you were like, "Holy shit, it's me!" <laughs> so I called and uh, got the interview, and it was at this label called Wild Pitch Records mm-hmm. um, with this guy named Stu Fine. And so I go down there, I got my tie and shit on, and I go down there to the interview and. Um, I'm sitting in the hallway in the, the, the area where I'm waiting, and he's in the room, I didn't know at the time, with Gangstar, because um, they were signed to the label. Right. So talking to him about whatever. So they come out, and they had words I manifest out, so mm-hmm. I knew them from the video. So they come out, and I'm just like, oh, wow, yo, what's up? <laughs> I really like your video. Da, da, da. And I'm talking to them and shit, and Premier says, he'll tell you this day if you ever talk to him. Yeah. Premier says to Stu, I like this guy, you should hire him. <laughs> and he did crazy and he did and he hired me and that was my first job i was making 200 dollars a week uh off your the books. second job right yeah well yeah. my first music job, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 200 dollars a week off the books I'm and like, give ibm their fucking credit <laughs> yeah, exactly peace to ibm <laughs> and and uh, so i'm making no money but i'm loving it Stu gave me this it was a binder with all these phone numbers random shit and he was like call all these people every week so I'm calling ra- retail, I'm calling radio, I'm calling, you know, um, the door market, I'm doing, you know, I'm like, I'm calling, I'm publicity, I'm calling. So I'm, I'm doing all these jobs and not even realizing what I'm doing. I'm right. just calling, you know, <laughs> I'm just calling. And the other blessing to that, um, it was a building on 29th Street. Upstairs was Red Alert's office, Red Alert Productions. Right. It's run by this guy named Dave Funkenklein. Rest in peace to David. Mm-hmm. He will, um, he died, he had, uh, a lot of lot of uh, uh, health issues. He ended up passing away. He's like, he's like twenty some years old. Mm-hmm. He would he would have been Leor. Yeah. He would. I'm telling you, he would have been Leor. He was the shit. So I would go upstairs and talk to him all the time. And Red and then Tribe and then would come and Chris Lighty and then would come and Daylight and then would come and Black Street and them, uh, Black Sheep and then would come and they were right upstairs. So I was that that was my connection. So you just had like it was a blessed. Like but you had like guts to just like walk up to these guys and Yeah, I was like, like, yeah, red alert. But and then <laughs> Dave was a really nice guy and so like, you know, he would talk to you and I funny story about Dave. Dave signed the Booyah tribe. Mm-hmm. And he had these for those who don't know Booyah tribe these big Samoan guys. A couple of them are still acting now. You can see them like in movies and hmm. stuff. You can also find them on fullscreen.com slash it's the real <laughs> exactly. that first month free. And they love Dave. They, they were Dave's bodyguards. Like if you even sniffed at Dave, they would pound the fuck out of you. So um but yeah I, I would you know, I met Red and you know I would talk to Red all the time because I was doing promotions. Yeah. So I would go upstairs and give Red records. And so I just started talking, and you know, we, we got became close. And Chris, you know, who I love to death, we became close. And Tribe, we ended up working with later. And right. It was just 
That's the way it felt, man. Man. And that was my first gig. How long were you there? I was there for not long, maybe like two years. And then Premier and um, Keith Guru mm-hmm. left to go to Chrysalis Records mm-hmm. and to get a, had a bigger deal and their contract was up. I think they gave through like Override, whatever. But they left the label and we had become close. And so uh, he said, um, Premier said, yo, we want you to come with us. So they got me a job at Chrysalis. And what were you? What were you? I was doing rap promotions still. So I left. I left Wild Pitch. Wild Pitch had Lord Finesse and Chirau G, Main Source. We had a great roster actually. Right. But um, but you know it's a better opportunity. So I went to Chrysalis with them and the, and uh, did promotion with them. And then um, I met Barry Weiss at a convention, and um, he you know tried to hire me. At first I was like Nah, chill, chill, chill. <laughs> like, I want to stay at Chrysalis. And then you know we started talking, 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 and eventually I went to Jive. Man. Wait, first, uh, can we just talk about how crazy it was that there were, like, lots of record labels? <laughs> oh, there were tons of record labels. There were, like, record labels, like, like this shit. Yeah. If somebody would have a label, like, in here. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, it like was in a massive labels. Manhattan apartment. <laughs> exactly. Like, penthouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Penthouse, you know, duplex. Yeah. But, um, no, it was record labels literally every corner of every block there was a label. Somebody Do you think it was better or worse than it is now? Um... I hate to, not to be uh, wishy-washy. Yeah, wishy-washy, ride the line, but a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. It was definitely better because there was more opportunity because there was more places to sign and it was newer and fresher. Everybody was kind of trying to figure it out. The bad side to it was small labels are really jerking people with the deals. Right. Mm -hmm. Like really jerking people, taking their publishing, giving them, you know, if in advance, a terrible advance, and then just kind of using the the, the artist to like get on and get up and then get hopefully get bought Right. Or, or or some type of deal with a major. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was very like they were just kind of. I guess they still kind of do, but right. <laughs> they were really kind of <laughs> using the artist. So it was good. It was good and bad. But and it was labels everywhere. So uh, labels everywhere, promotions people everywhere. Everywhere, right? Every, so, everything everywhere, clubs everywhere. So you had to like get to like you know you had to get your records past every other promotions guy who was trying to get it to Red Alert. Right. Had to be out there pounding the, the pavement all day. Every day and really understand the radio. And then I, I was doing radio promotions, not just in New York. So I was, I didn't have any money to travel, but I was also like on the phones all day calling different stations around the country, trying to get records played too. Like, not just mix show, like I was calling PDs, like everything. Now, how do you call a PD in like, uh, you know, like Arkansas and that you. Hey, I, what I would do is, when I, when I was in college, like I said, I always knew I wanted to do this. So one of the things I would do, uh, I would go to the, the library at Morgan had a. a Funny enough, they had a subscription to a Billboard, mm-hmm. um, so I would go read Billboard every week, and I would read um, the charts and you know and figure out who wrote what, who produced what, and all that shit, what labels on and all that stuff. And then I would read. Then I, they had a radio section, and the radio section they had would tell the playlist of each station, who the program director was, who the music director was, and I would sponge that shit. So when I would call somebody. And like you said, Oklahoma or something. If I could get them on the, I, always be nice to the receptionist. <laughs> I'll always schmooze the receptionist lady on the scream phone. On them and be like, no, yeah. no, no. Always like kind of flirty and yeah, nice. Yeah. Like, well, I'm, let me get them for you, baby. <laughs> so then, you know, I'd get them on the phone. And then I could, I'd, I'd spin, I'd, I'd start talking, and I could tell him his shit. Oh, I see you moved this up this week. Oh, this went down. How's this record doing for you? Oh, this shit went. So then when you hear that you're into it, then they start talking. Yeah. Oh, this guy really knows my shit. He's paying attention to my. Stuff. Station mm-hmm. in Tulsa right. or whatever, so that's how I would, that's how I would do my thing. Did you uh, affect any accents to be like, oh, no. like I'm, I'm I down can't. With my, my 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 voice is my voice. I can't do nah, 
Nah, they knew I was from New York. So by the time you worked for Jive, are you living in the city? Um, no. At first, I was still going back and forth on the train. I uh, moved to the city maybe two years into Jive. So do you have to, as as a radio promo guy, are you putting in late nights for Hell Jive? Hell yeah. So do you ever like miss the train back to back yep. up to Westchester? What I did was... Take I that first train back or something? Yeah, what I did was I ended up getting a girlfriend... Smart. I know, yeah, yeah. very smart. But, and then, no, sidebar, yeah. I know we, we don't have a lot of time, but sidebar, she lived uh, in Bushwick. We have all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We lived, she lived in Bushwick in the Bushwick Projects. Mm-hmm. So Bushwick, obviously, now is, you know, very hip. hipster. Yeah. No, it was not that back then. It was raw as fuck. Right. Like, so she lived, so I, I'd work, and then I'd get on the the, 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 the J train mm-hmm. and ride out to, to, to Bushwick and sleep with her and, and, and her her mom's the CO, so her mom's is never home. And me, me her, and her and her little son at the time in the projects. That's where I was staying. Man. And I'd take the train back and forth from Bushwick to, to the city. This is a far cry from IBM. <laughs> what was the biggest Bro. business in Bushwick at that time? <laughs> You know what? That's you know what? That's a good question. I don't know, Yo, man. Yeah, the two good but, questions, Jeff. Yeah. yeah, you you hot right now. <laughs> I mean, it was nothing. You know, we she she was not far from the from the from the from the under the L. Mm-hmm. So it was nothing but like you know bodegas and that yeah, type yeah, of yeah. shit. And then if you went all the way down that way, it was still all the it was a target. Well, her cynics <laughs> yeah. were. Well, her yeah, 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 before, right. before that target. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so it was all the cynics was like kind of down going towards the city. And if you went out east, it was just Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. Just raw dog Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's that's how I maintain, man. So who are the, some of the DJs besides Red Alert that you get to know back then? Oh, uh, Red Alert, Chuck Chill Out, mm-hmm. um, Flex when yeah. he first started under Chuck. Um, uh, Merlin Bob and those guys, oh, they played more dance records. But we had some dance stuff, too. Um, Timmy Regisford, Tony Humphreys. I didn't know Frankie Crocker. I met him mm-hmm. a few times. He, you know, he really, like, you know, I was young. He wasn't fuck on me like that. Um... <laughs> Well, I can't remember some other. Oh, Teddy, oh the Awesome Two, mm-hmm. uh, Special K and Teddy Ted. They were on the radio back then. That um, is such an eighties <laughs> name. It was, that yeah. is the most. 80s. Yeah, the Awesome Two, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, others, if I'm forgetting others, I, I apologize. Those what, are the ones called. And head. what records did you like? You think like went further than you could have even imagined. The biggest record I had uh, uh, at Wild Pitch was this record. I got the power. Oh. I got the power. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Like, there was two versions of that. There was a version. No, that... sing the whole song. Okay. <laughs> Don't give me a dick. It's getting kind of hectic. So we had a version that came out first. Um, so it's funny. Some guy. Uh, I was with Stu one day and. Um, we got a test pressing in the mail, which was, for those who don't know, <laughs> test pressings were, you know, they had vinyl, they would make one as a test. Right. And then send it to the label and be like, Does it, is it sonically, is it good? Is the, the bass strong enough, blah, blah, blah. How long does it take to make that, by the way? Because now it takes like seven months or something crazy. A test pressing doesn't take long at all, but the problem with test pressings is the wax was very thin, so you could only play them a few times, mm-hmm. and then it would wear out. Like they was the violin. They did that low. on purpose. Stay woke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stay woke. Right. Stay woke. So we got this test press in the mail from some guy in Germany. We didn't know who it was. It just had Germany, and the thing was like, you you should listen to this. That's all it said. And we listened to it, and it was I got the power. Some guy had just did this mix, and we're like, holy shit, this is incredible. <laughs> so I started to work it and work it, and it started to go. It started to like go, go national. Yeah. Like it was playing on big stations around the country. And then Arista uh, picked up Snap version of I Got the Power, mm-hmm. and they put theirs out. So then I was, me, I was battling Arista by myself. Arista eventually won, but I got a ton <laughs> of radio. Like, they would, like, 
be calling the the, the Astros guys, but don't play that wild pitch bullshit. <laughs> like play ours. Like it was like a big battle between me by myself and you know a few indies that we had and uh, Arista's staff. And the- that was the record that kind of as a promotion person, as a promotion person, more than any other record, really stamped me in mainstream. Yeah. And we had rap shit, but in mainstream, that was the record that did you, made people notice. Did me. you know the promo guys over at Arista? No, no, no. Fuck, fuck Aris yeah. yeah. back then. <laughs> because they were like, you know, very like fly Clyde, you know, suit and tie buttoned up. They wouldn't fuck with me. Making 200 bucks a week. They jerking out in lunch. You know, get out of here, kid. You know, no, I didn't know those guys at all. Um, but yeah, that was the first one that made me, made me go. And what was, so what was life at Jive, at Jive like? Back then? Yeah. Um, it was very different, man. Um, it was, you know, the roster was incredible. So it's, you know, Tribe, it's KRS, it's, the Jazz Jeff and the Fresh Prince is, uh, um, God, who else is on the label back then? Um, Too Short, um, I'm blanking on uh, Billy Ocean because the roster, the roster Billy was very, Ocean? Uh, yeah, the roster was very kind of, you know, all over the place. We had a bunch of artists, like all kind of different artists. So, um, just real quick, yeah, did you see Billy Ocean on Jimmy Fallon like last, like earlier? He still this got year? the white dreads, yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see that, but I know he has yeah. the white dreads. It's an amazing performance, unbelievable, yeah. like in a good way, in a good in way, a good, yeah, yeah, he's amazing still can, in a good way, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um it was just kind of getting, you know, you got to get thrown into it, man. The obviously the label was cooking at that point, so I wasn't, I was, I was new to this label. That I was already going, but and what year is this? Is this it? is ninety two, okay. ninety late ninety one, ninety two. Right. So, so Jazz Jeff and the Fresh Prince are already like on fire. Yeah. So they they're coming. When I got there, they're coming off of summertime. Oh man. <laughs> so they on fire. Yeah. Right. And, and Will got the show. The Fresh Prince show not long after that. So wasn't that Boom Shake Shake the Room? Boom Shake yeah. Shake the Room. I had that on a single. You had that on a single? Yeah. So so it was great. Job was great, man. It was like a little company, you know, very family oriented. Like all of us are very close and we just got busy. And how involved were you with every artist? Like, or were Well, you- I did, when I got that, I did promotion. So I was involved with every artist because that's, you know, as a promotion person, you got to promote everybody's, everybody's record. So I was involved with, with everything. Um, the payola, all that. <laughs> no, com- no comment. No comment. No comment on none of that. You know, I don't know if the statute of limitations is run out, but uh, yeah, I was very involved with everything, man. Um, and then um, Barry decided to let me sit in A and R meetings. He was, you know, he he saw I was an A and R person before I did. I just was doing what I do because, again, like I told you, I got that that binder from Stu, right. and he was just like call all these people. So I started developing all these relationships. Plus, I used to go out all the time. I was pounding the payment. I was in all the clubs. I was moving around. So I started developing all these relationships. But that was just what I did. Yeah, I didn't realize that was, you know. And he he saw I had good instincts on records, you know. And that goes back, I think, to radio because I would always listen to records and be like, oh, why is this record working? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, so. So he started letting me sit in on A and R meetings, and then from there he decided they decide you know I you know participated or whatever, and then for, and at a certain point he was like, okay, we're gonna give you a project. Then my first project was the Shaquille album. He was like, this is yours. So talk about how Shaquille came to Jive Records. So we had the Fushnikins, um A woman named Sophia Chang had signed them. Um, they were doing really well. Sophia was great A and R person. Just not hieroglyphics. She she's really good. Um, and um, so the Shaq was going on Arsenio, and at at the time his favorite group was the Fushnikins. Mm-hmm. And so he told Arsenio he was a rookie. He was like, I mean, I don't know who, who could even compare him to at this point. Like he was like, 
massive star. You right, know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't even, I can't think of anyone off the dome. But all, like, personality and just That's what I'm saying, across the board. Yeah. Like, commercials, yeah. obviously killing it on the court. You know, they had the smile, like, yeah. it, 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 everything, right? The total package. He had the and, silhouette. And by the yeah, way, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like a name that was just by itself. Shaq. Shaq. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The name, you know, the branding of the name. So anyway, he told Arsenio that he'll come on the show because that was his first time on Arsenio um, only if he could rap. And Arsenio was like, all right, well, shit, let's do it then. Who you want to go? Who you want to rap with? And he's like, I want to rap with the Fushnikins. That's my favorite group. So he reached out, his management team reached out to the Fushnikins. They went food L.A. and they rapped on the show. And the guy who owned Jive at the time, Clive, Clive Calder, um, who also was an A&R person by trade and ran our A&R meetings, he watched the show, and he was like, we need to sign him. And all of us were like, what? <laughs> like, you bugging. Like, yeah, that was cool, but, like, he's a basketball player. And he was like, nah, I think I think this could be something. You know, he, and he was, obviously was right. So he, we, we signed Shaq, and then Barry was like, yo, it's you. So what's the first time meeting this seven-foot you know Behemoth. what? I, I'm trying to remember. I, I was, it's funny. I was thinking about that recently. I don't quite remember the first time we met. I believe, it, I, if I'm, I'm going to assume, it probably was me and some of the staff going down to Orlando mm -hmm. and meeting him um, at his at his crib and just kind of talking and everything. And you know, me getting introduced to him and saying, you know, I'm going to be his A and R person. And you know, he's the best. He didn't know what A and R was right. and everything. So, and then we just started kind of building a rapport from there. So. Did he know how to build a song? No, not at all. He knew how to. He was. He was like any other nineteen-year-old kid at the time, a twenty-year-old kid. He just knew he liked rap, yeah. and he like rapped, and he would always like break out into a little freestyle and just kind of fuck around. But he didn't have like demos, mm -hmm. yeah. absolutely not. So um, we figured out when we could make the record, which would be in summers, because obviously they don't play ball in the summers. Um, and so we uh, we we you know scheduled time. We went down to Orlando and we um, set up at Full Sail. Which is now a huge place, yeah. but at the time it was just one studio. Right, it was just getting started. It was like, oh, we work at this place full sale. That's my buddy. He like he's starting this studio thing, and he's gonna teach people to engineer. And now I see it, I'm like, that's crazy. Full sale university, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. not a university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go Tigers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so we go there, and we set up shop, and we're trying to make. You know, I got. I forget who I had come down with me first to do beats and stuff but it wasn't really working because he didn't like said, he didn't know how to make songs right he's just kind of rapping he didn't know how to project into the mic and he has that kind of really deep voice yeah. so he doesn't project it just sounds like <laughs> like that so it was like this ain't really working i'm getting nervous um and so then um we he does a couple songs and they're good they're not great and you know you know we're, we're figuring it out we're figuring it out and then um i had eric sermon come down and um Eric obviously was a professional. He had just left EPMD. He was trying to figure out what he was going to do. Um, and I was like, I need a big bassy sound because Shaq is a big guy. I need mm. a big bottom end pause sound. Mm. And so um, Eric came down. And then Eric is the one who – Chip Fu helped him a lot. Right. I, I don't want to take anything away from Chip Fu. Chip Fu helps him a lot with crafting records. But Eric is the one who really kind of was the last element to put it on track mm -hmm. and, and showed him how to make proper songs with structure. And, and, like and they hit it off immediately. Right away. Shaq, I mean, he's, he's a guy to get along with. But yeah, yeah, right. And the thing is, like, it was a trip because Shaq is 20 at the time, right? He's fresh out of college. He grew up in Newark. Um, 
So he's meeting, you know, EPMD and, you know, Ali from Tribe and Fife and these people I'm bringing down. And he's like, holy shit, that's Eric Sermon. <laughs> and then meanwhile, Eric Sermon was like, holy shit, that's Shaq. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're both kind of being fans of each other for right. what they do. So there was a very, it was very easy for them to get along because Shaq would ask all these music questions. And then Shaq, then we'd ask Shaq all these, like, basketball stuff. And he'd tell us, like, the inside of what's going on. And so we, we got along well. We had, that was like... Some of the most fun I ever had making records. That's Can awesome. Can I ask a question? Like, how hard was it to actually record Shaq? Like, to raise a mic. To <laughs> oh, we he mouth. sat down. Oh, okay. <laughs> he sat on a stool. Yeah, he had a stool. Otherwise, it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we didn't, yeah, he sat down on a stool it's and like the lurch. Mic would be here. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, nah, he couldn't. He couldn't stand up. He couldn't stand up. So, did you have to report back regularly on like how this record was doing? Yeah, I'd be calling and you know Barry be calling me all the time. Like, how's it going down there? I'm like, oh, it's going good. Did you live down there? No, I didn't live down okay. there, but I, be, I was in Orlando. Like, you know, we only had one summer to make that record, but I was down there the full summer. And that was the other thing that was cool, like, because I'd bring guys down, right? So we'd stay at Universal uh, uh, Studios hotels. So Shaq, during the day, in the early part of the day, a lot of times, he, you know, he'd get up, he'd have to practice and work out and stuff. So we'd just be chilling. <laughs> guys would be going to Disney World. They'd bring their girls down and shit, go to Disney World for the day, go to Universal for the day. Shaq would call somebody, like, they'd get in free. You know, like, yeah, because it was like a vacation right. as well. Yeah. You know it, what I'm saying? Is Shaq the type to record, like, like rappers do, like, overnight? or is he No, like... he wouldn't work all night because he'd have to get up in the morning. Right. So he, we'd usually start around... 12 or 1 and then work to like 7 or 8. That's a reasonable then, day. Yeah, it was a day and then he'd yeah. go home and obviously and, you know, chill with his family for a bit and then go to sleep and he'd have to get up and work out and, or do write, you know, commercials, whatever the hell he was doing and yeah. then we, you know. So even sometimes we'd done it for a week or two, we wouldn't work every day. Right. Some days he couldn't make it. So when the record is done, is this, like, it, it's hard to understand now in today's day and age, but did you take that, that record and play it for? Yeah. The, I took the, the the probably that tapes at that time because it wasn't even CDs really, and came back to New York and played them for the for Barry and the rest of the people and they were like, "Holy shit, this is actually good," you know. It took a lot of time and effort to get it to be good, but once they heard it, it was like, "Yo, it was, this is." They people were stunned. Yeah, like, they they were nervous and it was really good. And that record went on to sell how much? Um, it was a platinum album. I think we, I, I think, I think it was like one. Probably now it's probably about one point five, one point six, maybe even sniffing two. I don't know. You think it's still moving? A little bit. I think. I, I, yeah, you probably get light bursts, like you know, yeah. like a hundred pieces. Yeah, like, yeah, nothing yeah. crazy, but yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny because to this day, like people when they found out I did that record, a lot of people were like, yo, yo that record was I don't. Like, yeah. People were like they always really good. Like I, people are really fans of that album in a weird way. Totally. You know? No, listen, it was. It, it, I think it broke the mold too, you know. It totally broke the mold. Like it was an athlete who made a real album, right? You know, not like the Deion Sanders or that or the bullshit. Yeah, right. Just such just shots, shots, yeah, shots, yeah. Allen Iverson and whoever these other fools was. By like, the way, we made Deion a Sanders caught one with. Uh, he caught a single. No, it yeah. must be the money. He yeah, didn't. not a platinum album though. Not a platinum no, album, but a platinum like Mercedes in the background. Yeah, so. yeah, with the dancing. Um, yeah. Do you remember when? Uh, uh, a few years ago when, when Shaq was with Corey Gunn's freestyle. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, you know, I haven't seen him in a while. It's funny, uh, a guy I used to work, uh, my old boss ran into him in L.A., mm -hmm. and Shaq gave him his number to give to me. That's awesome. So I'm going to call him um, soon because he's in Atlanta now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Of the, 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 Turner, the, yeah. Exactly, yeah. so I want to try to catch him when I'm down there. But, like, 
I promise you, if he walk in here now, you like yo, he'd spit a freestyle. He have one. Oh my, it, it's. I promise you, he yeah. have one. He always, he always is down to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. I always had the same sense of humor. Always. Yeah. Did you always. ever wear one of his suit jackets just for fun? <laughs> no, but what he used to do, and I used to hate this shit, man. <laughs> he used to pick, pick me up like a baby. <laughs> Like and throw me and shit like that. I mean, you're a grown ass man, dude. Yeah. I'm like, damn. You were and a wrestler. Yeah, I'm a wrestler, man. You I play football. Yeah, right. He like literally picked me up. He's like, yo. Like, I remember one time he was in his crib. He was like, yo. I'm like, yo, chill. Like, he's seven feet, B. I'm in the air. He threw me on his bed, like, woo. Yeah, and your, your parents like are like, baby. how's your job going? You're like, well, it's kind of rough. I don't know. Like, you know. Shaq's throwing me around the house. Like, it's, it's a joke. It's like a ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we used to, we used to like try to, like, you know, it's called body and like you like body, but I, I did that with him one time. But he caught me one. I got him nice, but he caught me, man. Yikes! Like yeah, yeah. But we had, we had we just had fun, man. We had like you know he had jet skis behind his crib and like he let me drive his car. We just had fun. It was That's like awesome. so much fun. man. Would any of the other teammates come over just for their quarterback? Dennis classes? Scott. Him and Shaq, they're still very close. Like, yeah. They're like best friends. Dennis Scott would come around all the time. Dennis Scott was there all the time. Um, yeah, but Eric's talking about Scott Skiles. <laughs> oh, no, Scotty Skiles was not. Beam me up, Scotty. He was not beaming up around us. But Dennis Scott, I think Horace Grant, those guys came a little bit, but Dennis Scott was the main one. He was there a lot. He was there, like, often. And so how quickly did you have to turn around a second album then? What was Barry White's The next second? summer. Man. The next summer, you know, this that was summer of '93. I mean, fall of '93, mm -hmm. and this summer of '94, it was like get in there again. And by this point, he was even a bigger entity, and he was playing in the World Games in um, and they were practicing in Chicago. So for the summer, for most of the summer, so we made a lot of that record in Chicago. And was Clark Kent a part of that process? No, Clark came on. We do. I did the first two albums, mm -hmm. and then he left Jive, and then he did that third album with Biggie and all those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one I think that Clark worked on. Right. Yeah. And which album was Biological? Didn't bother. That was the second album. So yeah, he he. Uh, we were in Chicago, and his biological father had gotten on some TV show or the news, and was like, "He's my son, and he needs to be like you know." Da, 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 and it's, it's you know his biological father wasn't living good, so he was like you know I need money and he doesn't talk to me and da 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 and that shit really I, I remember being I was in Shaq's hotel room when that shit came on and he was like fucking Stung, everything yeah. mad hurt you know just just the the gamut of emotions and he was like yo it's fucked up man because you know his the, the person who technically was his stepfather um, Philip Harrison. Mm -hmm was his father like he raised Shaq from like a very young child and like obviously was there until Sally Phil Philip Harrison passed away a few years ago but like he he was his dad you know what I'm saying his literally his biological didn't bother for right. real yeah. so he was so hurt by that shit he was like I, I need to write a song about this shit to, to tell that dude to chill and to show my father how much I appreciate him and that like it was like the next day we went and did that. He went and did that record. He wrote that shit in the studio. Like it wasn't even like the fun shit. It was like yeah. it was like it was like quiet. And he went and knocked it out. Hell of a record. Hell of a record. Yeah, it was from the heart. Literally from the heart. And uh, so, what were the projects that followed that for you? Um, then I had crazy ass KRS One. Um, so okay, just it's I, a long name by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, but, put, I put the first one. Yeah. So real real quick, um, we're all friends with Bun B. We, okay. We called him uh, last week. Yeah. It, told it, him it, I was in, in advance. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he did mention that when he signed, when when he and Pimp signed to Jive, uh -huh. they walked out of the meeting 
like close they were like oh we need to take a bathroom break or something like that and they were just like celebrating, like, yeah. celebrating. and and the first person they saw in the hallway was, was KRS one was yeah, who was like all the time. he was like did you did you sign here and they're like yeah it's it's amazing he was like well good luck <laughs> yeah that sounds like chris chris is so cynical so me i saw, i worked through, i did chris uh i did uh um sound return to boom bap and oh, what the fuck is the name of the album that came after that Oh, he's not going to be happy about this. Oh, <laughs> oh it's called KRS One. Oh, okay, <laughs> it was called KRS One. Um, but sound, Return to Boom Bap. Um, I think that was the first record me and Chris worked on together, and um, I kind of was around Chris, but that was the first record I was actually the A&R person, and uh, he, he never gives me props for this shit. Never, ever, 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 ever. <laughs> But I was the one, Chris, whether you want to own it or not, and he never will. I was the one who put him together with, um, with, uh, from DTTIT. Uh, oh, uh, Showbiz. Okay. I was the one who put him together with Showbiz. He, I also was the one who, who orchestrated him with Premiere. But he won't say that. You know, Premiere's my man. He is your man. But I also knew Premiere from Gangsta. Right, yeah. And so I was, because Premiere did most of that album. He did almost, he won't say, except for Sound of the Police and maybe one of the records. Mm-hmm. Premier did the whole other out. Al- By the, the way, album. I'm only taking your side because you're here. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chris is much bigger than me. <laughs> yeah. when he said. So anyway, so I remember, like but I remember, yeah. so we, he was working with Premier and D&D and then making records and it's just coming out amazing. Um, and we were just like super excited because he was making this record with Premier who was like on fire at that point mm-hmm. and it was a New York record and said the boom bap and, and then... Um, I was like, yo, you need to work with this dude, Showbiz, man, because show, Showbiz and AG had it yeah. right out. And I was like, he's dope, man. And Chris is like, yes, yeah. and I was, he's from the Bronx too, man. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, man. He's like, all right, well, hook it up. Hook it up. I was like, all right, cool, hook it up. <laughs> so I called Show, because I knew Show through Lord Finesse and mm-hmm. all the DITs from that, and got him or whatever. And Show came down to D&D, and he's playing beats, and he put on Sound of the Police, and Chris was like, that's it. I'm gonna rap to that shit. And Chris, Chris writes fast, like I'm ready. Boom, went in and like ran through the shit, and we were like, "Yo, with that, that boop boop." Yeah. Like, we were like, "Holy <laughs> shit, this is a record." And I mean, you hear that record now? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, but Chris won't give me props for that. <laughs> so I, I did that, and then they gave me Tribe. Uh. So I was the A&R person for, not for um, Low End. Low End, I did promotions for. I was A&R person from Midnight, Midnight Marauders. Marauders on. Yeah. Um, and then they gave me Short. And by that point, I think 40 had come to the label. And they gave me, no, I had, I had 40 later. There was a guy named Joe Thomas that had 40 early. He had mm-hmm. 40 and UGK early. I, I, got, I got them later. Um, and I think those were my, I think I, I inherited some of the Hyro stuff because Sophia had left, mm-hmm. and I also did Fush Nickens because again because Sophia had left. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so Bun uh, also asked us to ask you two questions. Okay. Um, the first is that you had Tribe Called Quest, you yes. had Hieroglyphics, yes. and you had UGK. Yes. Who had the most hoes? Okay. Who had the uh, most? That's easy. Who had the best clothes? <laughs> okay. And who had the most dough? Okay, hoes. <laughs> Sorry. I look, but, no bun 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 never was like crazy hoes. Like he had he had buns also very was you know was way before he was married. Right, yeah, of course. So course. please, yeah. Queenie, yeah. please shout out to Queenie. Shout, shout out, out to yeah, you, yeah. Queenie. Yeah. It's yes. not 
Please, yeah. I don't want no beef with Queenie. <laughs> None. But previous to Queenie, Bun, Bun never was like crazy though. Like he, yeah. had, you know, he dated him, but he was kind of always low key. Yeah. You know, Chad Pimpsey was, mm-hmm. you know, bananas. But to <laughs> me, the one who, I mean, I'm blowing cats up, but I mean, what does it matter, right? Right. The cat, the cat with up. the most holes. I feel like we need like a drum it's roll. Pro- <laughs> it's probably. Q-tip? You wow, owe me twenty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Fife was a savage. Fife was a savage too. Yeah. But Fife liked them around the way girls. Mm-hmm. Like Fife was like still, you know, dating girls from like you know Corona and Saint Albans. Like, you know, Tip had moved into like model world. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, Tip had. A, don't sleep on Ali Shaheed Muhammad either. <laughs> Ali Shaheed Muhammad got it cracking too. Shout out to NPR. NPR, yeah. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, just yeah, left. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah so, so FNPR. Yeah, but right. anyway, but um, yeah, it was it was a lot of girls around, man. Yeah, so, and best wardrobe, best clothes, the freshest out there? Again, I might have to <laughs> give it to that cocksucker Q-tip. And, and Q-tip, the mo- Q-tip. By the way, also a long name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the most dough? The most, that's where it gets kind of funky. Get Barry West on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Now, who are the who are the, the nominees? UGK? It was, yeah, UGK, Hieroglyphics, and Tribe. Tribe, yeah. I mean, you can add other people in there if you want, I guess. Don't just say Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll Shaq. take Shaq out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'll take Will out. Oh, yeah, Will. Um, honestly, the most dough at that point, I probably would maybe say Karis won. Because Chris, used to, you know, still does mad shows and um, lectures and all that. So, yeah. Chris, Chris... Chris is a little comfortable, man. He was, I say at, at that point, from that little era right there, I might have to say Chris. You know, Tribe had a, a little a, a contract that they weren't happy with, so they weren't getting paid the way they should. Right. Um, Hieroglyphics had girls, too, though. Like, Don't Sleep, that in the Bay. Mm-hmm. They had girls. Cause they were, you know, paws or no homo or whatever, yeah. but, you know, four good-looking kids. Like, mm-hmm. they had... They had gals too, like yeah. They they and they, and one of them, um, uh, Tajay, and he was going to Stanford, so they would be up on the yard and all that. So mm-hmm. like they 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 yeah, they, they, they were they out too. here. Yeah, they yeah. was out here. Yeah, <laughs> it was out here. And uh, the, the second, second question, question, okay, is um, what is the craziest thing that Pimp C said to Barry Weiss because he knows that uh, Pimp called Barry Weiss a bitch, but there was, <laughs> but what but what else was there? Chad, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It, oh, Chad, man. <laughs> it's not just really like a one thing. It's like the, he he was like the original yay. He'd yeah. do these rants. He'd have these 25-minute rants. like when you Always know, scheduled. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whenever we could get him to New York, which wasn't often. He hated coming up here. But he'd come up here, and eventually he'd blow up, man, and just go <laughs> off the bat and you Barry, you know you fucking us over, and you know you, you fucking tr- and you, you, he would just go crazy, man. Like he would just go. So I don't know if there's one particular thing I could think of, but he'd have these rants. We'd be in these meetings and be going good, like yeah, we're gonna shoot the video, and we love the record, and it's just any little thing would just set Chad off, man, and he would just be like, <laughs> I love the idea of like. Hopefully there was some uh, some person there like taking the minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, there was no minutes. There was no minutes. There was no minutes. Mystical had girls too. Like you got me thinking about this yeah, girls yeah, yeah. thing now. We Mystical had girls. Oh, but too short had yeah. mad yeah. girls. Yeah, bitches. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we had. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, can you talk about them, Texas boys? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, how did they come into your life? Like, uh, so so Barry Barry is um, always late. <laughs> 
<laughs> for every meeting. And I mean late, late, not five, ten minutes. I mean a half hour. And Is it like a power play? I used to kind of, no. He's just <laughs> real whack with the schedule. He just he just doesn't. He just doesn't do as I yeah. say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. So we, uh, he had looked, you know, he had been, uh, he had looked up, you know, looked up UGK. At that point, it was um, these things called one stops, and one stops were basically like these. Um, they were they were the people who supplied all the retail stores in the, in whatever region. So Barry's um, game was he would check with all the one stops around the country because he could go to a one stop and say what's selling the most. What in, independently is selling the most, and that's how we. That's how Jai found almost every artist they had. <laughs> R. Kelly, Mystical, UGK, Too Short, E. Forty, all that stuff came through one stop. So <laughs> people, like the people selling records, um, independently. So, um, the, I forget the name of the one stop in Texas, but they were like, "Yo, there's this, this group down here that's selling a ton of records." So he did the research on them, and um, I think the first record was Tell Me Something Good or maybe Use Me Up, one of the two. But they were selling something, so then, you know, he made a play for him and then flew him up to New York. And, of course, he was late. <laughs> so his assistant at the time was like, Sledge, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm working. What's up? Go in the conference room. Barry, that group from Texas is here, and Barry's late. So I was the first person they met. Whoa. So it was me, it was Pimp, it was Chad, Bun, and Wes, Chad's mm-hmm, mom. Yep. And, um... We sat there and talked for like about an hour and change. And what did you know about Texas? Like, what was your back experience? then? Nothing. I had never <laughs> been to Texas. So that, that, but again, go, looping all the way back to my college ship, that was it worked because I was asking them all these questions about Texas. Mm-hmm. Like, what's it like? Like, what do y'all listen Is to? Is everything like, bigger out there? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what's it? Y'all got horses and shit. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I'm telling them about New York, and we're having this whole kind of cultural exchange. It wasn't even, we didn't even talk music that much. We just talked about culture. Like, oh, it's too expensive. There's too many buildings up here. And I'm like, how is it there? What kind of cars are you driving? And so that's what we, the whole conversation was about that. And then Barry eventually came in, and then, you know, we worked the deal out. So that was my first time meeting them. Um, and then, uh, again, I wasn't the A&R person. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't around them a lot early. And then Joe, who was the A&R person, he left the company, and then it came on me. And then by that point, Chad was in full rage, rage, rage mode. And then, um, we, you know, we, we put out Super Tight, that Joe did that record. And I think Joe might have done Ride and Dirty. I don't know if he finished it. Um, and then Ride and Dirty came out, and everybody loved it, and it was going, and then that's when Chad got in trouble. Mm-hmm. And he went to jail. And then from that point on, that's when I got cl- I didn't get that close with Chad. I got close to Chad in a roundabout way because I ended up talking to his mom all the time. She mm-hmm. would call, like, literally daily. His Wes would call me daily to talk to me, like, about, after a while, about everything. Yeah. Like, everything. Like, family stuff, like whatever it didn't matter so like i would talk to her every day and of course chad would be hearing about our conversation yeah f- from west in prison and then me and bun would talk a lot you know because i'm just trying to talk to bun and just trying to keep him on track and so that's when we me and bun really started developing our relationship when chad went away um real quick this is our brother dan who also, also, i figured it was yeah, yeah. Like, yo. <laughs> dan this is jeff sledge you, you, um, you do like stocks or something? You're like a Wall Street guy. Works in Madison Square Garden. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, need, I, need, I need them Nick tickets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll call you later. I got you. All right. So, so you get to know them, and would you? I I know you and Bun are still close today. Yeah. Would you? And say I was very close to Wes until she passed. You know, mm-hmm. until the day she passed. I, that rocked me when she passed away. 
Yeah, it killed me. Yeah. Yeah, I loved her. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember like 9-11. I was going to say funny story. I don't know how funny it is. Yeah. But 9-11, Wes was here to talk to uh, us about you know, getting getting some stuff together to maybe hopefully get Chad out. And Chaz Hayes, who at that time was E-40's manager, was here in town too. And they were both supposed to go back on 9-11. And 9-11 happens. And Wes is at the hotel, the hotel Giraffe on Park Avenue, and and so I go, I, I hung out with Wes on like nine twelve, because I went, because she was she was by herself, I was she's kind of panicked, yeah. So I went, I, I was living in Harlem at that time, and I went downtown and hung out with Wes all day, man. Yep. And then Chaz had a, he was he used to always travel with a gun, mm-hmm. and so he was like, I can't, they, and that they changed the laws. He's like, I can't get on a plane with a gun now. Yeah. So he had to give me, he said, I can get on a plane with the gun, but I can't get on a plane with the bullets. <laughs> so he came to my house on Riverside Drive on his way to the airport and gave me all his bullets. Generous. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you yeah. hold the bullets <laughs> and send them to me later. <laughs> he, he went to the airport with his gun in his case. Can you send bullets in the mail? I never sent them. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I never, I was, I was. So you broke the deal. Yeah. I broke yeah. the deal, yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I loved West, man. Like, I, I, I really loved her a lot. Um, but um, yeah, you know, so we, you know, to this day, me and Bun are, are, are very close. You and know? Bun told us that you have heard his new album. Yeah, I heard a lot of it. I was in Atlanta two weeks ago. Was that A three C week? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was working with Big Crit. Yeah, and uh, it sounded amazing. Yeah, like it sounds like UGK. Yeah, it sounds like a UGK record. Like the production and the live instrumentation and like the live it was a live bass player in there the day I was there. It sounds great. I mean, Crit is a son of UGK. So, totally. Yeah. It, it makes no, it, like that's really the only person Bun should be working with because he makes the most sense. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, now it sounded awesome. But what about DJ Mustard? <laughs> I don't know about Mustard. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, it sounded it sounded incredible. So those guys, you know, they may not have loved their contract over at Jive. You had a great creative relationship. Yeah, and then Chad. The thing about Chad, man, is I, I, I've told this story before, but like, I know I don't know if I've ever seen someone change so much for the better coming out of prison. Like when he came out of jail, like he literally was a different person. Like when he went to jail, like I said, he was like a, a he was a rage machine. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like he would just curse everybody out, just fly off the handle, like. It was his personality would be swinging. Like one time, I went to see them in, when they were living in Atlanta, and the first time I went to see him, Chad, um, I was like, "I'm they told me the address. I'm gonna take a cab, whatever." There was no Uber at the time. <laughs> take a cab, rent a car, or something. And Chad was like, Chad, and Wes was like, "All right." And I heard Chad in the background I was like, "No, no, no, I'm gonna go pick him up." So Chad came to the airport, picked me up. He had bought this brand new Benz, <laughs> picked me up in the Benz. Showing me the car, and we rolled back, and we just had a great day. And he had it set up in the basement, and Wes was cooking. She was a phenomenal cook. Mm. So she's cooking food and shit, and we're in the basement, and we're talking, and we had a great day. And then maybe like a month later, I had to go back. And I was like, I'm coming back down. And Chad didn't pick me up, which is whatever. Mm. And then I get to the house, and I was at the house for maybe like 11, 30, or 12 o'clock. To about midnight, he never came downstairs. Mm. So like his, that's how much his personality would swing. Yeah. Like one day he's like, "I pick you up in the airport. You're my boy." The next time I come down, he doesn't come see me. Mm. So, but when he came out of jail, man, like he just 
he was just like he was like a light around him. He was just like a such a different person. He was just like a nice person, no wilding, no screaming, no flying off the handle, like ready to work, open to suggestions, like really like I'll give you a little example. So on International Players Anthem, right? You mm-hmm. know how it starts with, with Andre doing the thing, it's kinda mm-hmm. almost with no drums, it's just a cappella and yeah. stuff. When Chet, when Andre sent his piece back and had no drums, Chad was pissed off. He was like, "Man, fuck Andre, man, the fuck, the fuck, he gonna send my shit back and take my drums out? My motherfucking pimp, gonna take my motherfucking drums out? Fuck that!" Blah, blah, blah. He's like going on a rant. He was up at the office and he's yeah. going, he's going off about Andre taking the drums out. And Andre had a thing, and even if you listen to Andre's stuff now, he has a thing. He doesn't really like drums under his stuff much because he wants people to hear what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So, um. Chad's going off, going off. And so I was like, Chad, yo, but hold up, hold up, fam. But, like, let's rock it like that because when the Andre's doing acapella and then when the beat drops, that's when your verse drops. And then you, your verse is going to lift the record up because now the beat is rocking and your verse is kicking. And he's like, all right, Jeff, I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> if it fucks up, it's on you. But... Two years ago, mm. he wouldn't even have that conversation with me. He <laughs> He'd be like, man, shut you. the fuck yeah. up. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, obviously, it worked out for the best. But, like I'm just saying, he was just down for all that, man. Like, it, you know, so it really crushed me. And, you know, other people as well it crushed me when he died. Because he was like, they were finally going their way to getting, really getting what they deserved. Yeah. 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 Like, they really was like. They would, I mean, they're not your players anthem, but they still play it to this day. Yeah. So platinum, it was their first platinum album. Yeah. yeah like, it's a double album. It went platinum, you know, critically acclaimed, you know, great video. Yeah. You know, like, he was in a great space. He was happy. Like, shh, crazy, man. It's a shame. Yeah, it was a shame. It was terrible. It was terrible. Um, I remember the first time we had Bun up here. Uh, or we called him for, for the podcast, um, the old one. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I remember asking if he felt a responsibility to these new rappers who drink lean. Um, if he felt like, you know, having been around Pimp mm-hmm. and drinking lean, if he felt a need to, um, you know, tell them about everything that he that that he felt about it, and he was like, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you feel the same way? I could I could say this, and this this is my answer. It's nothing to do mm-hmm. with Bun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I signed Travis Porter, and when I signed them, they were like. Right out of high school, so they were like 17, 18 years old, and then we started to make their record. And so by that time, they probably turned like nineteen, um, maybe nineteen, sniffing twenty. And then um, one of them in particular started drinking lean, mm-hmm. and um, then we'd be in the studio, and a lot of guys around them were drinking lean. This is where lean really fell in Atlanta, yeah, yeah. like really popped off in Atlanta. And I remember like screaming on them dudes more than one time. Mm. about that shit um like yo what the fuck are you doing like stop drinking that shit da-da. and you know and then i remember one time one of the guys in travis porter was like why are you always on our back about this shit so much and i was like because my man died from it man mm-hmm. like i saw somebody die from this i'm not just talking shit like i seen the, the ramifications of it so i have said stuff like that to people um because i know what can happen mm-hmm. you know either it would lean either you're gonna be not here or you're gonna basically be a heroin addict like yeah. you're a junkie you know like yeah. a lot of these guys they can't stop if even if they wanted to the dudes is you know who will remain nameless so you'll be able to figure out dudes is like having seizures and shit like that and then still doing it mm-hmm. like they because they can't they literally can't stop 
So I, I, I really hate the lean and the um kind of drug culture that's really heavy in hip hop now, like Vannies and I hate that shit dude. Cause mm-hmm. like it's like you do like you guys are like twenty years old, like where you gonna be at thirty, you're gonna be straight up drug addicts. Right. You like junkies, like scratching type shit. So yeah, I, so I say all I have to say. Yeah, I've I've definitely said stuff to people about lean before. It, it bothers me a lot. You know, especially because of Chad. Yeah. Um Separately, <laughs> okay. Um, we'll, back, we'll pick it back up. Yeah. Now. yeah. Uh, do you have any good Will Smith stories? Yeah. Uh, so Will, his I, lean addiction. I do. Will, and it's, it's a little bit of Shaq in there. So, um, I took Shaq up to Mount Vernon mm-hmm. to work with Pete Rock. At that time, Pete Rock was still living home, even though he had hit records. He was still living <laughs> at the crib, and he he lived on a block in Mount Vernon in his house. And so then, about two or three doors down was his aunt's house, and that's where he had his equipment. Mm-hmm. So. One night, me I went up there to meet, to, took Shaq up there. It was like a summer evening, and we ride up in a stretch white limousine. I'll never forget that shit. <laughs> and we get to Mount Vernon, but it's dark, right? So then, knock on the door at Peter, Pete's house. Knock on the door a couple of times. The lights is on, so no one's in there. So I see a figure come down, opens the door. Now I'm on the steps, you know, three steps to the front. Mm-hmm. Shaq is on behind me, but he's you know, he's tall enough to stand on the ground. <laughs> so Pete's father opens the door. <laughs> He's like, you see his eyes go like, what the fuck <laughs> is this monster doing behind this guy, right? So he's, I'm, I'm like, hi, Mr. Phillips, uh, I'm looking for Peter. And his, his father he passed away, too. He's a nice man. He had a thick Jamaican accent. He was like, uh, Peter, not here. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, we, we, I, I, we supposed to be working with Shaquille O'Neal. His father, no, he wasn't. <laughs> Peter, no home. I'm like. Yo, we came all the way up here from Mount Vernon, from the city to Mount Vernon, and the pizza. I'm like, really? And again, no cell phones, nothing like that at the time. Yeah. No beepers, none of that shit. So no way to really track Pete down. I'm like, is he coming home soon or whatever? He's like, I don't know. I came home. Peter wasn't home. Peter not home. I'm like, damn. All right. So we left. Went back to the city. Shots fucking cursing me out on the way back and blah blah. blah. I'm like, damn. Pete really shitted on me, man. Really shitted on me. So a few months later. They decided to get Will to work with Pete. I called Pete. I'm like, please, Pete, please, please don't do not do this to me again. Like, it, I, it, that was bad. Yeah. He's like, oh, I got you, bro. I got you. So me and Will, I go pick up Will, jump in a limousine. Guess right stretch limousine. And we're riding up. So we're riding up and we're talking about, he's on the show at this time. The show's like number one. Yeah. And I'll never forget this conversation we had, like, um, and it's not the, the good, the Good part of the story is later, but we're in the car, we're in the car, and we're talking, and so he's like, "I'm like, yo, man, so like, how 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 much do you make on on the show, man? You know?" And he's like, "Yo, man, these motherfuckers is jerking me, man." And I was like, "Really?" He's like, "He's like, yo, I'm making thirty five thousand an episode," and I'm like. Damn, that's a lot of fucking bread. You know, so that's not much, much less than I make a year at that point. You know, I'm like, really? I'm like, I'm like, yo, dirt, really? I mean, damn, that sounds alright to me. He's like, nah, man. Like, my shit is number one. We just bumped chairs out. You know how much motherfucking Ted Danson makes? I was like, how much? He said, 450000 episodes. Holy shit. But I'm fucking black, so they want to pay me 35 k So we had this whole conversation about that. So we kicking it all the way up to Mount Vernon. You know what I'm saying? We had a really good conversation. So then we get to Pete's block, and there was these three kids playing on the street. It's summertime. Mm. They're playing, like, in the street, just goofing. 
So the white stretch comes up. And uh, they kind of glance up, but I guess they're not tripping because, you know, have lives up there and puff. And so they used to kind of seeing cars coming right. out of the Vernon. So they kind of glance up. So then the car parks in front of Pete's house. And we open the goblet's the door, we get out, and the three kids' eyes get like big as saucers when they see Will. <laughs> Again, because Fresh Prince is like number one. Yeah. You know, it's a massive show. And they're like, Right. So then Will's, you know, Will's really nice guy. He's like, hey, kids, how y'all doing? So we go to Pete's house. I'm, I'm walking up, and I'm like, please fucking be home. Please knock on the door, open the door. Pete wasn't home. But, yo, his whole family, I mean, aunts, cousins, everybody's in the house because of Will. Like everybody, I mean, it's like like forty people. I swear to God, in that crib, his mom's is yeah. cooking and shit. Like, oh, sit down on the couch. Like, I was like, it showed me as big as Shaq was. Yeah, it wasn't a TV star. Yeah, like going into a movie star. Yeah, it was. It wasn't that. I mean, Shaq is big. But it wasn't that. They all wanted to meet. Will. Except for Pete Rock. Yeah, yeah. Pete Rock, who came a few minutes later. Oh, yeah. He's like, I was just getting a haircut. I'm here, I'm here. And yep. everybody's taking pictures, signing pictures, and taking pictures of Will. And, you know, Will's uh, great. He's yeah. taking pictures. He's mm. playing with the kids. He's chilling. And we come out the house, and I swear to God, half of Mount Vernon was on right the there. block because of those three kids. Those three kids ran and told people who told people who told people. And I swear to God, half of Mount Vernon was on that block to the point where the cops had to usher us three doors down to get to Pete's mom's, Pete's aunt's basement. Yo. <laughs> Have pulled up on a motorcycle. Yeah, it was craziness, man. That's awesome. It was great. Yeah. And then we're in the basement and Pete's playing Will Beats and Will's trying to listen, but of course everybody keeps trying to come in and out <laughs> the basement because it's Will Smith. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. So like we had a we had a good day that day. That's and wild. Pete ended up producing a couple records for Will on that on that album. But like, yeah, it was just a trip just to see the power of 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 his of his star at that point. How about when Jive went like truly corporation? Yeah. Oh, you mean pop? When we went no. to we went to Sony. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was tough because uh, I mean, look, it infused the company with a lot of money, but and what happened to Clive? Clive sold the company, so yeah. I mean, this is public knowledge, so I can kind of tell this. So Clive, you know, started Jive, you know, like Drake started from the bottom, right? <laughs> so then he got the company, you know, we rocking by this point, like we rocking, like Britney's doing like fifteen mil, Backstreet Boys is doing twelve mil, and Sync is doing like fucking ten mil, or Kelly six mil, Joe like fucking four mil, like even like you know forty doing eight hundred thousand, short doing nine hundred thousand, like everything's selling, like everything. We got pop, we got the gospel stuff selling, we got it's crazy. You're killing the one stops, <laughs> killing them, and that's all. That's always like it's funny. I mean. Whenever I hear people that uh, talk about Def Jam and Def Jam was a great label, but they mm-hmm. could not fuck with us. Yo. Like, and I'm always like, "Y'all kill y'all was dope." Now, yeah. don't get it fucked up. <laughs> don't get it fucked up. So we were killing them, right? So Clive had a um, thing where he is his contract with BMG, who was the distribution company, was up, and he could he could choose to opt out and not re up the contract. Mm-hmm. What he could, what he, what he could do was, if he decided to opt out, he opted out for a multiple, which I'm sure you guys know. Is for the people who don't know, that means if you opt out, say you you opt out and your company is worth a thousand dollars to make it easy, they have to pay you a multiple of that, so they might have to pay you five thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Shark Tank. There you go. <laughs> so Clive, we, so we killing the money like 
it was crazy how much bread was coming in, right? So Clyde was like, I got to strike now. It's never going to get no bigger than this. Like, I'm never going to get no bigger. So I'm opting out, and I'm opting out for the multiple. So the multiple ended up making the company worth $3.2 billion. <laughs> A light 3.2, though. Light, light, <laughs> yeah. light, nice. So that's cash. Yeah. That's cash. <laughs> it's not stock options, no other shit. That's cash. He's like, I want my money. They're trying to figure, oh, we'll give you stocks. We'll get, make you a you know, CEO emeritus. He's like, I want my paper. <laughs> so BMG, which is a family-owned company, the brothers in the group, group still owns that company, they had to pay him. And what they had to end up doing was selling and closing a lot of companies with under the Bertelsmann group that they weren't that they were doing well, mm-hmm. but they needed to get the cash. Right. So he forced them to close a whole bunch of shit that Boy, they had dick, no, plan on, no plan on closing because he, he's like, I want my bread. I'm never right. going to get no bigger than this. So he, You know who else wanted their bread? Will Smith and UGK. Yeah. <laughs> Will was gone by that point, yeah, actually. Yeah. Will was at Columbia by that point. But so he, 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 he exercised the multiple, he got his bread, and then then we um, we were owned now by BMG, and then that ended up and, and then BMG it was like fish eating fish. Yeah, Jive got bought by BMG, mm-hmm. and then BMG Music got bought by Sony. Sony. Right, and Sony so, got bought by Wild Pitch. It's too fine. It's chilling. So 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 now we're at Sony. Who didn't want us? They didn't want you. No. What, did they You're, look at the portfolio? Hold on. They didn't like the culture. They was like, "You're worth three point two billion dollars." But they didn't like the culture. They wanted the artists. They didn't want the company. They didn't want Jeff Sledge. They definitely didn't want Jeff Sledge. <laughs> they didn't want the company. They wanted the artists because our roster was phenomenal. Yeah. But they didn't really want us because we did shit a different way. We weren't corporate, you know. We, you know, and they that so it was never a really easy relationship between Sony and Jive because they was always looking like trying to figure out how to get the artists and, and get rid of us. And they did. And they did. They did. And they did. So you, uh, uh, that building was down on like. Job was on Twenty Fifth Street 25th. between six and seven. Right, right, right. Yep. Yeah. And then so once we BMG sold to Sony, we had to move to Five Fifty, mm-hmm. and that definitely changed the whole energy because you know we used to be in down at Twenty Fifth Street, you know, kind of doing whatever we wanted to do down there. Um, and now and you're in Midtown. Now we're in Midtown. <laughs> Where the lunch on, options suck. And <laughs> are dumb expensive. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to get to. Mm-hmm. And it's Madison Avenue. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. So, a, you know. Yeah. And so what, what artists are you working with closely at the end of the Jive era? At the end of the Jive era, I was working closely with, like I said, Travis Porter. Right. Um, I think 40 was, 40 was still there but leaving. Short had left. Um, oh, I was doing. I started working with Battery Records, which is like our, basically like our arm to do singles and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I did the Stanky Leg record. Okay. Um, I signed that. Um, I signed this other record with a young jock called uh, Looking Boy. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah. yeah, Hot Styles. Yeah, yeah Hot Styles. Yeah, yeah I signed that. Do you have any did... good Hot Styles stories for Andrew Barber? Shout out to Andrew there. Barber. Peace to Andrew Barber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not really. They're the nice kids from Chicago. There was no crazy drama with them. Well, um, this is going to be terrible for my Hot Styles dedicated podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I was it's doing a lot of... Pod Styles, yeah, by the way. Pod Styles. <laughs> I was doing a lot of battery stuff. and so, But Stinky Leg and um, Looking Boy were like two of my biggest successes walking out the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Travis Porter was hot because they had to make it rain, right. yep. bring it back. Yep. We, you know, I was doing well. Yeah. Did the record with um, Big Sean? 
Yep, we had a bunch. They had a bunch yep. of stuff. We had a, we, we, were, we were cooking. Um, before we get off of Jive, yeah. Um, who had the most hoes? Who had the best <laughs> clothes? Who had the most dough? Brittany, uh, sync and, and R. Kelly. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! Damn, bro, really? Okay, most hoes. <laughs> Gotta be Rob. Rob's a fucking savage, yo. <laughs> that dude's a fucking savage. Uh, although, yo, Backstreet and them sinking them, I mean, they did oh, well. Yeah. They did well. Even the yeah. lesser known members. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shouts to Chris Kirkpatrick. Yeah. And peace to Howie, Howie Durrell, <laughs> who actually is mad cool. We hung out a couple of times. He's actually dumb. He's actually a nice, cool. He's a cool dude. He's real chill. Um, they did, they did, they did well. Um, uh, Brittany obviously didn't have no holes. You know, Brittany was chilling. The most dough? I probably have to say, oh, that's a tough one. It's between Britney and and uh, NSYNC? and R. Kelly. I would think. Uh, maybe Robert because Robert. Robert held that publishing. He, yeah, and I believe I can fly. Yeah. And the song with Celine Dion and World's Greatest, and you know, I wish that Rob's like, Rob's NSYNC. Pay, there's five of them. You know, so no, they cut right. up the yeah, bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got to take them out of it, and they were signed through a production company now. So I'm right. taking them out of it. I'm gonna say yes between Robert and Britney. Probably, probably Robert at that time because Britney had no publishing. Yeah, she wasn't writing. Her records were selling goo gobs, but she wasn't writing. <laughs> Rob was writing. By the way, uh, is it true that Rob? Have you been in in sessions with him? Mm-hmm. So he just he doesn't write anything down. He just goes off the dome. dome. But he can't. Yeah, no, he he's can't. Not, he's read. not. He's not. Yeah, but he's he not, can't he's not write. Much oh, yeah, a, that's true. It's yeah, not much write. of a writer right, either. Yeah. He uh, he used to carry around uh, like a dictaphone kind of thing around really? his neck, and if he got an idea, he would sing it into the dictaphone. An and IBM then, dictaphone? Uh, <laughs> he's <to> IBM. <laughs> he's <to> IBM. <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah, and he would sing stuff into his to his thing. But he's also like he could go off the dome. He's like genius like that. Were you wait? Were you involved at all with UGK getting on Big Pimpin? Yeah. Yeah, because no big deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah nah, light, light, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because you know, um, Hove and Hove, Hove at that point, shit went left. But at that point, Hove was a big R. Kelly fan. Right. Yeah. At that point, so initially, you know, I knew Hove from just kind of being around, right? Knowing mm-hmm. him from just around, and you know, I also never worked with him, but you know, we'd see each other and we talk sometimes and stuff. And then Dame reached out to me because. Hove wanted to work with Robert, um, and so Robert was recording in New York. So I had uh, Dame and Hove um, and Biggs. They came by the studio a couple of times, and yeah. we're trying to figure it out. Nothing that came of those sessions really, but um, so. But Rob, again, Jay was a big you know yeah. Robert fan. So then we started you know kind of you know building for that and. And Jay was a massive UGK fan, so it was funny because Jay would always call me to send me because he'd always lose his CDs. He'd be like, "Yo, somebody stole my UGK CD. Send me, send me another one." I know, yo, like somebody, a scam. yo, my shit scratched. Send me another one. So he he always called me and like get him to send him more UGK. He's like, he, like he he loves them. Yeah. So then he decided to do a record with them. So Dame reached out and um, we started you know talking about it, trying to figure it out. Um, logistics and of course Chad was yeah, against, against it, it 100,000 yeah. percent buttons like let's go and Chad's like man fuck Jay-Z man I'm like yo dude like it's a good look for you though man fuck that dude man so like it took a long time for Bun to convince Chad to do it so then Bun did his verse 
Um, Jay had done his verse. Then Bun came to New York and did his verse with Jay. At, I, I don't know where they were working at the time, maybe Baseline, whatever. But Bun came to New York and did his verse with Jay. And so it was like, now we got to get Chad. Chad was like definitely not coming to New York. Um, I think he was living in Atlanta at the time. He definitely mm-hmm. wasn't coming to New York. And then we sent the shit down and he sat on it for a few days being Chad, you know, making everybody wait. So he finally did the shit and sent it back. And then I remember he called me and when I heard it, he called me. He was like, you're in my shit. I was like, yeah, this is dope. He's like, you know this only gave him 12 bars. Like, Fuck Jay-Z. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so then, so then uh, that's why it has that echo off at the, at the end. And so then Jay, when he heard Chad's verse and Bun, he was like, I'm not, sh- shook is not the right term, but he was just kind of like, yeah. This is basically UGK featuring me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is why he put that last verse on the back on the canopy. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't there at first. At first, Chad ended the record. Whoa. And then Jay came back and put the fourth <laughs> the fourth floor eight bar on because he was like, it's their record now. Right, you right, know what right. I'm yeah. Uh-huh. And then Chad wouldn't go to the video. Right, yep, heard that. Um, yeah, he, he didn't go to Trinidad. He, you know, it's all expensive paid to, just the time everybody had money to go to Trinidad to shoot the video at Carnival. And Bun was like, I'm out. Yeah. Chad was like, man, I ain't going to fucking Trinidad. He didn't go. And so if you notice the video, half of the part where they're throwing the money on his floats on that, Chad's not in that part. Yeah. And they had to set up a whole nother day uh, to shoot it in Miami. Because fuck then, Jay-Z. Because fuck Jay-Z. <laughs> 12 bars. Exactly, yeah. 12 bars. And then um, Chad called me. He was like, I'm going to do this fucking video, Jeff. But yo, if I do this video, yo, you seen that new Benz? And I was like, nah, I ain't seen it. He said, you got the new Benz, a two-door coupe. It's just crazy. Ain't nobody in the country got this shit. And I need to have that car in my fucking, in the video. And I was like, how you going to do that? He was like, you going to get me some money. And I'm like, what the fuck? Are you, what are you talking about, B? So he's like, nah, I need to, yo, if I ain't get the car, I ain't doing the fucking video. I'm like, Chad, yo, you're killing me, son. So, <laughs> so I called publish, I called Business Affairs and talked to the head of Business Affairs, and they had some money in the publishing pipeline. So he sent Chad money. Chad went and bought the car and then put the rims on it and all that shit. And I was like, you good? He's like, yeah, man, wait till you see his car. And, shit. <laughs> and I was like, all right, man, cool. He's like, I said, all right, man. He's, he's like, yo, hold up, though. I said, what's up? He's like, yo, the video's in Miami, right? I said, yeah. He said, I was gonna get to Miami. I said, I think you're gonna drive the car. I said, man, I ain't driving this car. It's just fucking brand new. You're gonna ship this motherfucker. I was like, Chad, you're killing me. Like, what? So we had to ship the car to Miami from Atlanta because he wouldn't put no miles on it because it had to be fresh and brand new when he pulled up at the fucking video set. That's unbelievable. And then, it's a funny story too. So Gloria Velez, yeah. mm-hmm. who was the goddess at that time, yes. had been flown down by Hov and them to shoot the video. Because you don't want to put any miles on her. So, yeah. <laughs> so Chad somehow met, ran into Gloria, maybe checking into the hotel or something. Sure. And he didn't know her. He had never met her before. And he mapped her. And so she went up into the room with him. And they were, it was like a two-day, at least two, maybe even three-day shoot. And the first day... She was supposed to be on set. Yeah. And they kept calling, they kept calling, they kept calling. She wouldn't pick up. She was with Chad the whole time. Nobody knew where she was. Nobody knew where she was. Kidnapped her. So then he, the second day, when he came to the set, he bought her with him. Yo. And Hov and Damon was like, what the? No. Because they thought she was going to give, they was going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a UGK featuring Jay-Z single. So he shows up with her in the fur coat with no shirt on 
in the bends that nobody's ever seen. Yo. That's, that's Pimp C. That's amazing. Wow. That's Pimp C. Were you involved <laughs> with uh, the R. Kelly and Jay-Z album, Best of Both Worlds? Nah, a, a little bit. Well, yeah, well, I'm lying. I'm lying. Yeah, I kind of was. Does Karis one give you credit yeah, for it? Yeah. <laughs> he absolutely does not. So by that point, I had become, I, I was actually. Um, at that point, I became very close with the track masters. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Poke and Tone, but me and Tone spent a lot more time together than Poke. Um, I love them both, but me and yeah. Tone just was in the studio like yeah. all like every like daily. Yeah. Tone. Even, even even if they was doing sessions for other people, I would just go. Yeah, just hang Sledge out. and Tone sounds like an yeah. '80s funk duo. <laughs> yeah, so I would just go to sessions. Like even they, they working on other shit. I'm like 50? Tone, be like, just come. Th- this is no, I didn't go to any '50 stuff, mm. but um. But at that point, they were probably, they had Maya. just took the job at Maya. Mm-hmm. They had just took the job at Columbia. Mm-hmm. They were head of the Black yeah. at Columbia for a little while. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would just be around. Like, every, like, like it's almost every day. Every day, I'd be, oh, I'm going to go hit Factory to see what they're doing. Yeah. So, when they started working on that, I was involved from that side of it because uh, po- I always, always used to yeah. say Pone and Toke. <laughs> Tone and Poke produced the record. Yeah. And so, I was around for that. And then I remember me and Tone had beef one time because uh, – they did the remix to Fiesta. And yeah. like the first time I heard that shit, I was like, yo, <laughs> this is, it's over. Yeah. And I remember Tone gave me a CD of it. And to, that night, he finished like the, the light mix on it. And he's like, yo, play it for Barry in the morning. <laughs> so I go play it for Barry. Like, I'm like right from, the, I had another girlfriend at that time who lived in Manhattan. So mm-hmm. I moved yo, on yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. get to work faster. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> so I go to her crib on. She lived on like 80th on Columbus. I went to her crib, slept, got up in the morning, went to see Barry, played the shit. They lose their mind, and I forget how, but some, there was one more copy floating around. So the tone calls me up, like pissed off, like "Yo, what the fuck, man? Don't you want boy?" Blah blah blah. Somebody had took that other copy and played it for Clue, and Clue was was gonna put it on one of his tapes. He thought it was me. <laughs> we had this whole beef, but it wasn't. I don't want to say who it was. Okay, was it but you? it wasn't you. It wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. You know, me, uh, me and Clue didn't really know each other like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't even know that dude like that. Family, what are you talking about? But anyway, yeah, I was around for for best of both worlds too. That was a crazy, that was a crazy ass project, man. That By seems way, like an understatement. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was well, a bit. Of but beyond 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 any tensions that that live on between Jay and 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 Robert. It's still a playable, great album. People with, love it. People love both of them. Yeah. Well, unfinished business. Yeah. People kind of like that too. But the first oh, I one think you meant Jay and oh, Kelly. Oh. I was like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, but but the, but the first, the, the best of both worlds record. People like think it's classic. I don't know if it's a classic, but but great it's record though. Great record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. People love it. People love so the record. So thanks to Jeff Sledge. <laughs> well, no, I mean, no, I was a lot of people involved with that. I wasn't I wasn't the A and R person. I was just around it because of Tone. Right, right. So I ended up kind of doing A and R things because I had the relationship with Tone, and he was the one making the record and getting the you know stuff done and getting the mixes done. Right. So I had a relationship with Tone, so I could always call Tone like that and be like, and find out what was going on. Yeah, that's my boy. But I wasn't the technically the A and R person for the record. I got one more R Kelly question to you. Or? Well, I was going to ask. So when the second, um, you know, CD surfaced, there was the one second yeah. one uh, with Jay Z having um, beaten uh, Un Rivera with a bottle. <laughs> were you worried that <laughs> that that maybe that was coming for you? That tone was going to come after you. <laughs> no, 
Well, maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's funny. I, like all these years, I ain't never, I never had no beef with nobody. That's good. I ain't never had no fight. I never knocked nobody out. Like, it's not too late. <laughs> you know, and I, you know what? And not, not even trying to be funny, but I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that it ain't never too late. Like right. it still could come. I still have to knock somebody yeah, we still out. Have at least but right like now, 10 more but right now, it's, right now, <laughs> yeah. it's been all good. It's been all good. Um, did uh, did anything ever, ever, ever even start with the R. Kelly and Baby project? Uh, Robert claimed I, I never heard of anything. Robert and Baby have both claimed there's an album done. 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 Rob, I mean, apparently, Rob <laughs> Baby was spending time in Chicago, and they made a record. They made an album. I've never heard a note. That's but, actually miraculous that nothing has ever leaked or been no. heard or whatever. Or maybe they're both lying. Oh, no, yeah. Well, that, that yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, Robert shit don't leak. Robert Robert had a, a, a you know, in Chicago, he had a, you know, he had bought, he bought a studio. He had, a, he had his own people there, and none of his stuff ever leaked, really. No audio ever leaked. No audio. Yeah, well. <laughs> no audio ever leaked. Um, so I think we need like a five minute break. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. No. So after. So after. After Jive shuts down uh, and you move on. Yeah. A few years later, you end up at Atlantic Records. Yes. So uh, I, I Jive shuts down. Everybody's pissed off. Um, trying to figure out what because the, the wild thing about Jive shutting down was we got. The job never was in the red. Every year, job was profitable. Every year, was job was in the black. So that May, we got bonuses. And then the company shut down in August. <laughs> so it totally showed it was a political thing. It wasn't a profit thing. Right. But whatever, that's past history. Company shuts down. Barry goes to Universal. He gives me a, um, a consulting gig at Def Jam and kind of consulting with him um, for a while. And then Barry leaves Universal, and I kept consulting for a little while uh, with my man Chris Atlas. Shout out to Chris Atlas. Saw him last Chris, night. That's yeah. my boy, yeah. And then um, one of the only guys is a true friend in the music business to me. Um, and then... You snakes. <laughs> cocks. <laughs> so that, that, you know, but then that, that, you know, runs out. And then I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get a gig. I'm interviewing. I was interviewing for this one gig. I thought I was get it. Don't get it. You know, hurt trying to figure it out. Shit is tight. And I ran into Mike Kaiser, piece to Mike Kaiser, yeah. um, at uh, this Joe Scott thing um, this summer of, I guess, so oh. last summer of 15. We were there, too. You were there, too? Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 up in Harlem. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, what you doing, man? I'm like, trying to figure it out, bro. Shit is real out here. He's like, yo, give me a call. So I was like, I know Mike a long time, you know what I'm saying? We mm -hmm. have you know, some mutual friends. We definitely have hung out and stuff. So I was like, all right. Even if it is the record company give him a give me a call, I'm gonna call him anyway. So I called him and you know he took the call and we set up a meeting and then I went down and talked to him and he you know told him I wanted to kind of get back inside and he called Craig Cowman like right in front of me. He was like, "Yo, Craig, you know Sledge? He's 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 available. We we need him. He, we he could help us out here." And so I said, he said me with Craig and that was August of '15 and we just started to. Um, uh, interview and I met with him and met with him and met with him and I flew to LA and met with Mike Karen and mm -hmm. you know met with the head of operations line Ray and then da 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 it was like a whole probably a four month process and then I started in this year January of 16 and Missy I'm doing uh, Missy I did the last Walker project um, Lil Boozy mm -hmm. um, this kid D'Lo and I got a couple things I'm looking for but I'm not going to probably bring them in until 17 gotcha because I wanted to really Learn to try to learn some of the system if I bring something in, right? And um, 
you know, that's the blessing about working with um, established artists, especially artists as big as Missy. Like, it's going to give me a real opportunity. It's given me already, and even more so later on, it's given me a real opportunity to see how the Atlantic system will work because mm -hmm. it's not like with a new artist, you got to go beg people to do shit. Like, right. yo, please, don't, please. Like, Missy, that's, you, you're going to do your job. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to, it really is going to give me a, 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 besides the fact that I love her to death mm -hmm. and I'm honored, literally honored to work with her. It's also going to give me an opportunity to see the building move and how it really works and what's really, how things really work there. The culture. Was she, was she happy with how um, that, that comeback single did for her? WTF? Yeah. Yeah, she was. I mean, it was, it's, Gold, it might be platinum now. It's gold. Wow. It was gold. We gave her a plaque and everything, and I might be platinum now. She was very happy, but um, but she had been dormant. Like this is um, yeah. she hasn't put an album out since two thousand five. Yeah, under construction, so, so, right? Yeah, eleven yeah. years, and she didn't like the way music was going in general, and you know she had you know yeah, a little bit of health disease. issues yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. So she sat it out. Unfortunately, she's you know financially solid, so she doesn't need to work. Mm -hmm. So. She sat out for a while, and so um, she had put out WTF. That was before I got there. Mm -hmm. right. and obviously, that did well, but it, it, it didn't really catch the wave that it should have caught because if, if it would have been done right after the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. right. it would have caught a massive wave. Yeah, I was but surprised it, yeah. by it was the a long gap. Yeah, yeah, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know quite why that was because it was before me, mm -hmm. yeah. but it caught. It, it, it didn't catch. Does KRS One blame you for that? <laughs> I think Chris does. Chris blames it for that, and so does Showbiz. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> um, but, um, so, so, so that came out and that did well and the video did well and everything. And, you know, it was interesting to me watching that from the outside in because one of the things I picked up on it right away is like, yo, she's still relevant with the kids. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. all the kids are posting dancing videos and stuff to that song. They don't look at her as like an, an old school artist. Right. She's kind of an iconic artist. Yeah. yeah. So when I, when I got there, they had just put out this song called Pep Rally. Um, which is the song that's in the Amazon commercial, commercial. Alec Baldwin. Right. right, yeah. So they had put that out, um, just just kind of put it out, because it was for the commercial. Yeah. So, but they kind of put it out, and her and I worked on some remixes, like we did these kind of regional remixes, and that was our first time kind of working together, and then we just started to develop a rapport, and, you know, it's like, look, man, like, it's time for you to put a record out, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, she started to work, and now uh, here we are. We shot a video, shot the... Well, it's a three-day video shoot. We shot two days in Atlanta, like I said earlier, and we're shooting one more in L.A., and, like, we're going to come on album at 17. And I'm, like, mad excited to be working with her because she's like, look at Missy Elliott. That's yeah. like is, Missy Elliott. Uh, how much is she working with Tim? Tim's only on one, done one song as of this point. Okay. Um, but I think we haven't locked full-on into album mode mm -hmm. yet, mm -hmm. um, but I think once we do, um, her and Tim will, will, will start to work work again, but she's also gonna probably work with some other people, like Pharrell. Will probably do yeah, some other yeah. stuff. Or like and Niku. He, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Niku and uh, yeah. uh, 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 Nicole Ray and um, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, but I forgot about Mocha. <laughs> she's gonna work with some other people too, but you know, uh, but Tim, I'm sure Tim will be on the record. Right on. Yeah. Well, Jeff, congratulations on one hell of a career for going from Metro North to the Mark. The Mark to uh, you know, the next time we see you, hopefully we're all in a white limousine heading on up to to, to go, Pete Rock's to Pete Rock's house yeah. to go work with uh, yeah. with the yeah. <laughs> and Will Smith. That's right. Yeah, Jeff, <laughs> appreciate you coming through. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. you having me. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. Yo. And great questions by me. That's right. <laughs> you hot son. You hot son. Usually my questions are garbage. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real Jeff. If people want to find out more about us, if people want to find out more about this podcast, if people want to find out more about the lives of It's The Real, and go listen 
to our new single, Dave Matthews Bands. Watch the video, listen to the song, download it. Get ready for our new mixtape, Teddy Bear Fresh. Where can they go? You can always go to soundcloud.com slash a waste of time, or you can check out all of our music at soundcloud.com slash it's the real. We are also on Instagram at it's the real, Twitter at it's the real, Facebook at it's the real. You can search for us on iTunes. Search for A Waste of Time with It's The Real. You can also go to fullscreen.com slash it's the real and watch us in real time. You know this podcast isn't growing if people aren't telling their friends. And we like to tell our friends and our listeners and anyone who stumbles upon this podcast to go tell their friends. It starts with us. Jeff, who would you like to shout out today? I have so many people to shout out. Well, no better time than right now. Yes. So I want to shout out Greg Brown, who's currently moving from Detroit down to Dallas. Brian Kraft down in Florida, who uh, is the founder and chairman of the Fast Out Hive. I want to shout out Jimmy Branley on Twitter. Davey in the cut. He's from Pittsburgh. All right. So all those people. Yeah. They all need to shout out. Who is it again? It's Greg Brown. Yeah. It's Brian Kraft. Mm Mm-hmm. It's Davy in the Cut yeah. on Snapchat, yeah. and it is Jimmy Bramley on Twitter. Okay, so all those people yeah. need to tell all their friends to subscribe, rate, comment, and shout out our podcast, The Waste of Time with The Real. Yes. I would like to shout out Brandon Hairston. Wherever you are, Brandon, you have our camera <laughs> that we took a full roll of photographs on. You took it from us. It has never been returned to us. If you can find Sam Berger, Casey McAdams, Stephen Barnett, return our camera you to them. Jeff, we're doing another podcast next week. We are. We will see you next week.